This week on Luke, Who Is Your Father? I know that I only know from the couple of letters that you've written to me and from your Instagram account, but from what I can see, I think you've pretty much turned out how I would have wanted you to if I had raised you myself. Hello everyone, it is Monday, May 22nd, and shit is wild out there. Welcome to season one, episode nine of Luke Who Is Your Father, a podcast about mystery, scandal, and triumph of the familial variety. This season, we're telling you about being triplets separated at birth, the trials and tribulations of growing up separately, coming together, and the hunt for our biological father. You can see this episode and all of our episodes and bonus content by subscribing to Luke Who Is Your Father on YouTube. Follow us on TikTok at Luke Who Is Your Father Pod, at Ricky Jump, and at Jules Who Is Your Father. And follow us on Instagram at Luke Who Is Your Father, at Ricky Jump, and at Kenny K. We so appreciate your support, and we would love if you would just take five seconds to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast and to share with a friend, family member, dead grandma, dead dog, a live dog. <laughs> Imaginary, imaginary friend, friend. <laughs> or anyone that you think would enjoy benefit or has a story to tell of their own because we are officially in the second half of the season and we are ready to turn the mic over to you for the show in its next iteration. So we have already received a lot of interest, so many stories, but we always need more. You can email us at lukewhoisyourfatherpod at gmail.com or ricky at lukewhoisyourfather.com. We want to hear your stories about family strife, separation, adoption, mistaken identities, DNA discoveries, anything that you think would be a good fit. The sky is really the limit. And then we also have a beautiful website designed by the one and only Kenny over here. And you can go there and read our bios, any mentions in the press, see all of the platforms we're streaming on, and most importantly, submit your stories. So go check that out at LukeWhoIsYourFather.com. I'm your host, Jules. I'm Kenny. And I'm Ricky. And if you are new here, we are triplets separated at birth, and we have spent our lives exploring what it means to be sisters and on the hunt for our biological father, which is what this season is finally building up to. Today is going to be a really exciting episode with the finale next week. We're so excited. Um, last week, we talked to Darla. She was in studio and we really covered our lives after both of our respective fathers passed away, college, and then ultimately coming to Austin altogether for their the first time in the same city, which did not go to plan. And I will take the brunt of the blame for that. Um, and it was just really hard on all three of us. So we just kind of explored that, what we learned from it, um, hopefully how we grew from it. And then today we will talk about that reconciliation, finally being really, truly all together in the same city for the first time. And we uh, will culminate in... Well, I won't take Ricky's thunder from her. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let her get into that at the end of the episode. But first, we have our crazy question of the day. And I think I'm going to start with Ricky. All right. So I'm trying to figure out how I want to word this. But Ricky, what is your craziest, most embarrassing moment in public? 
have so many. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> God. I had probably started at this new company two months before this happened. And right before this had happened, I had exited my company with an absolute bang because of, an, not because of another embarrassing story, but on the heels of a very embarrassing story that, believe it or not, I'm refusing to tell on air. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I had just started at a new company and we had several different locations. Like there's one in Austin, one in New York, one in California. And once a month, y'all get together for a company, all hands, and it's on video for the entire company to see. Oh, yes. This is a great one. <laughs> they put the all hands on? Like live video. Live video. Yeah. That seems like cruel. A disaster waiting to happen, if you ask me. waiting to happen, exactly. So I had casually been dating someone from said this company that I was at. Uh, and when I say, ca I mean, the most casual, like we had met each other at the sales kickoff in Miami. How could sparks not fly? Miami. And he was set to come down to Austin to see me. So I'm sitting on a couch getting ready for this all hands to start. I'm the only one on the couch. And I am swiping on Bumble. I remember this so And funny. they, someone noticed that HQ and put that camera on me as I'm just swiping. So people, she's swiping at an absolutely alarming rate. It's, it is like rapid fire swiping. And there is no mistake about what I'm doing. You can tell when I like hit the heart. You can tell when I'm starting to chat. And so, yeah, that was broadcast for the entire company to see, including the man who was set to come and, and spend a uh, weekend with me probably a week later. So I knew that story and I love that story, but I do not think that I knew that you were dating someone from casual date, <laughs> casually dating someone from the company at the time that was watching it happen. That's hilarious. <laughs> Poor yeah. guy. Yep, yep. Oh, he... It, could not have cared less. Fan of the pod. Just got married. Congratulations. Aww. I'll keep your name out of it, but you know who you are. <laughs> um, thanks, thanks for being such a champ about that one. Totally uninvested. Love it. <laughs> so, Jules, let's toss it back over to you. Oh, I think I'm probably going to go with the one that you guys think. I have much more embarrassing stories than this that I probably got into last episode and I'm going to give myself a break from those <laughs> and go with just like a really um, defining moment for me in junior high school. I love this story. Where, so Kendall and I had talked about that junior high for us was seventh, eighth, ninth grade. So this was coming into seventh grade, whole new, I mean, already pins and needles, right? I was super nervous because we're coming into a whole new school with all the kids, yada, yada. A whole and, new school. <laughs> and um, I was in seventh grade drama class. And I, I think this was the first class because we were doing an icebreaker that now that I'm thinking about it was 
I mean, I was set up for failure, but our icebreaker was, I think we pulled like a piece of paper out of a hat. And I think I pulled a, the prompt that was to tell my most embarrassing story up till that point. And um, I was thinking about, I think a time when I just like ate shit or fell somewhere or whatever. I was going to talk about <laughs> what a klutz I was. And I got up in front of the entire class. Yes, it was the first day because I fucking introduced myself. <laughs> and I said, hi, my name is Julianne and I am such a slut. <laughs> I'm 12, I'm 12 years old. And you're no, yeah, 12. And you guys know I was already like disturbed by the sexual activity happening at my school. And then I said, I am such a slut. And my drama teacher just completely missed the whole entire thing. The class she was not paying attention the, at all. The class was cackling and she looks up. She has no idea what's gone on. And I just walked away. And you, then, well, you did. Oh no. I will say you, co you covered for it really well. You said, well, I'm going to say my most embarrassing moment is Right, this very second. <laughs> and then you sat down. <laughs> and then I left. <laughs> Mic drop. Oh, man. Yeah, that one will stick with me for a long time. It's so cute. It's so embarrassing. I love it. <laughs> and it's, yeah, that's, that's one that we definitely, that, that will live in infamy forever. Mm -hmm. And Kenny, we got to, I'm excited because I don't know what Kendall's going to talk about. Kendall, what is your craziest, most embarrassing moment in public? Uh, when you first said this, I, had a couple ideas in mind, but I think I'm going to have to go with a track meet. When did we even do track? We only did track one year because we hated it so this much. This is probably why. <laughs> I did track more than one year. You did but track more than one yes, year? Yes. I know that you did not like it. I, I just did it because all the sexiest boys in high school were doing track, so they I stuck were. with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it had to have been sophomore year, I want to say. Um, and. We were at a meet, and part of the reason I hated track was because my coach made me run the 400 every race. single meet, every one. So this particular track meet, I was set to run the 4 by 4 and I ran my piece. I did the thing. Um, I obviously was not anchor. And I somehow managed to, while I was handing off the baton, I clipped the girl's heel in front of me. She was totally fine. <laughs> we were able to continue the race. Um, however, as she's running away, I completely eat shit. And this was, it was, it could have... <laughs> Other relay races, you're handing off the baton like on the other side of the track or somewhere else. This was directly in front right of in the bleachers, stand. directly in front, totally eat shit to the point where I had a little scrape on the end of my nose, like <gasps> full on face plant. And if it's not enough to like, it adds insult to injury because we had white jerseys. Oh my God. The track was brick red and I had skid marks up my white jersey for the rest of the meet. So everybody could see that I was the one who completely ate shit in front of everybody. 
So <laughs> just really enjoyable. Really great. Would you say that you are also such a slut? <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, you know, I am also <laughs> such a slut. <laughs> such a slut. Well, we'll never run out of embarrassing stories to tell, I don't think. And we would love to hear y'all's. <laughs> love to hear yours. Please keep sending them to us on Instagram, on TikTok, on via email. Just tell me. I love it. You can even fill out the form on our site. Fill out the form on our site. You can just tell us your embarrassing stories. You could tell us about your physical altercations. You could tell us about the craziest thing you've done for a person, whatever. Um, and just to shout out some some people who have just been catching up to the to the episodes. Um, we have a follower, Megan. Megan, can I see? Okay. Her name is Megan. Megan, you have an anchor by your name. That's your defining, that's who you are. She messaged us and said, I'm loving the pod, but one thing I want to say is my dad fried my brother's gerbils, LOL. He put them outside under an umbrella, but the sun moved and they roasted. Solidarity to dads who mean well, but fry small rodent pets. (laughs) Can we also like share that we also fried animals outside like not on purpose (laughs) not on purpose we loved toads and we had captured some toads and we put them in a little fish tank and everything and we literally were going to the library to research how to take care of and feed toads and we had put them on a side of the house that is normally shady but by the time we got back from the library the sun had moved (laughs) they were fried and (laughs) to the point where one of them was like in the water dish like as a last like attempt to cool off oh my god we felt so bad yeah and then jordan uh fellow scribe media crew member says omg reiki i'm catching up on the podcast and my dad killed my rabbit chris Died. So I know Kendall was really out of it the last time we told one of these stories. We're not into harming animals. This happens to a lot of, of people, and we feel for you, and thank you for sharing with us. <laughs> Horrifying. Yeah. Scarring. R.I.P. R.I.P. So I think with that, we will get into it this week. And Ricky, I think you're going to go ahead and open it up for us. Yeah, so... Obviously, we talked about Darla, about just us struggling as a triad with me and Julia not being on speaking terms, period, for two years. And she counseled me a lot during that time. Like the question that she always asked, I'm sure that we covered it, was, you know, if something were to happen to her, what would you need to do to feel okay about it? There's obviously only one answer for that, and it's to make up. But um, I really just, uh, I praise both of us. I think that we did the right thing in taking enough time for each other to fully process anger um, and get to where we needed to be to be able to reconcile. But the way that it finally happened is, Kendall, Julianne gave you a letter to give me on our birthday, which you failed to deliver to me until September 28th. 
This seems to be a common theme of me with letters. <laughs> I'm not great at de- delivering them in a timely manner. <laughs> and Jules, we had shared text messages in it over the two years, maybe like five, mm-hmm. that did not go well. Mm-hmm. And so finally, Kendall gives me this beautiful gift from Julianne and this letter. And the gift, Julianne is an artist now, and she makes these beautiful serving trays. And she sort of puts anything in them that fits into the theme that she's going for. And then she covers them with epoxy, and they're three-dimensional and beautiful and stunning. And then she paints the back of them. So she had made one for me and given me this letter. And I read it in September. And it says, happy birthday, Rick. I love you. I am so sorry. I've been anticipating writing this and it still feels so surreal to me. I cannot believe that this is where we are. I have no excuses for you. Even now I fight against that part of me that creates a rationalization for anything shameful. When you wrote that my move to Austin had been almost completely to your detriment, it rang true. I've never questioned or lost sight of that. I knew that before I read it. My response was poorly worded. I still struggle for the right words. My thought process was, let me explain to her that my awful behavior and subsequent impact has resulted in me seeking professional help, self-reflection, growth. Let me show her that all of this wasn't lost on me. It was so distressing that it was the actual trigger to make me take real action. I'll tell her that everything wasn't a total loss and resulted in at least one positive and then she'll feel better about everything that's passed. Even though I did horrible things, the result is me getting better. She'll be happy about that. I know that was infuriating. It was so, so selfish on my part. I've had to learn and examine that more than anything else. I had to not only learn how to, how, but to recognize in the moment that so many of my habits and behaviors are completely self-serving. Lying to avoid hurting someone's feelings cannot be justified as a benefit to that person. It is ultimately a way to make myself feel more comfortable. Acknowledging that I fucked up and turning to point at the way that that has made me grow doesn't make any of that okay and of course doesn't alleviate you of your pain at all. I'm sorry. I lost myself entirely in California. My identity was so wrapped up in work and perceived success that when I lost that, I became unglued. I did really horrible things. I treated people like shit, disposable. I didn't take anything seriously, treated no relationship as sacred because I literally couldn't feel or recognize that connections like that were real and should be treasured. My behavior and actions were disgusting. I am so sorry. About the gift inspired by Big Sur, it's a little cheesy and didn't turn out like the posh, sleek vision I had in my brain. Shocking. At one point, I tried to drill the epoxy out of the wood and failed spectacularly. (laughs) I partially covered that mistake with studs, which are certainly not going to hold up well. That little guy has seen better days. I enjoyed every second and every mistake, and it's not perfect, but I thought about you and thus every second that I worked on it. I hope I get to make you a 2.0 version at some point. I love you, sissy. I'm so sorry. I don't expect anything from you. I just want you to know that I'm sorry. I love you. I think about you every day. So I read that. And for the first time in the two years was like, well, this is the most genuine apology I've ever received from anyone. And I can't ask for anything more. Like I can't ask her to undo anything. And kind of before we move into the action plan, then um, just really want to commend you. I feel like you took the brunt in a lot of these episodes of having to talk about some really hard things for you to deal with within yourself. 
And I would hope that the audience listening, I mean, I don't think, I think they love you, (laughs) but I would hope that um, they see the exact same things that I do in that letter. Cause I really feel like that's a culmination of everything that you talked about in terms of the guilt that you feel about your dad and your behavior in high school and out of it. And I just really, um, so I've grown to so love and respect um, you and you are the person that wrote that letter now. Thank you. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, I don't know how to explain it. It's good to read back, but it's still really difficult, but um, obviously meant every word. And I think, yeah, it was so hard for me to see kind of, you know, it's so hard to see something for what it is when you're right in the middle of it. And so that's, yeah, this, the podcast has been tough to take a look at you know, some of, I don't know. I just love you guys a lot and I am sorry. And I'm so happy that that we are where we are in Kendall. I know that it wasn't just, you you know, my relationship with Ricky that was difficult during that time. You were kind of a middleman, which was awful for you, I'm sure. Um, So I just, yeah, I'm really grateful for both of you. And I'm so happy we're doing this. And I love you both. I will say that um, you guys did a really good job at not making me the middleman. I still felt like comfortable hanging out with each of you individually. And I did not feel like either of you were trying to talk bad about the other or to um, try and like send messages through me or anything um, just, besides like actual like <laughs> physical <laughs> things. There were no like Harry or Ron told Hermione, told Cedric, told Hagrid, told <laughs> to tell you that the dragons are here. Um, so I commend you guys for that. I also wanted to say that like... Um, Julian, I have been hard on you during the podcast, but I also uh, have had people in the past be like, you know, why, (laughs) what's going, like, why, they're just wondering why I put up with a lot of stuff, which you also put up with a lot of stuff. But um, I always say that, you know, I, I grew up with you and I know who you are as a person and you are a good You've always, you are and have always been a good person. There's just always, you know, something underlying that like makes you do some things that are not advisable, I think. But I always stress that you are just, you know, you're my sissy and I love you and I will always love you. And um, yeah, I'm. I'm yeah, I mean, some, uh, so. After you had, no, before you had given me that, because I texted you right away. I was like, well, she's been waiting since July. This is ridiculous. Um, But right before you gave me that, maybe a couple of weeks, because this weighed on me all the time, and I never talked to you about it. Then if I could give advice to any siblings who are fighting, it would be, and if if there are more than one of you (laughs) or more than two of you, uh, would be, I'm really proud of how, we handled our relationship with Kendall in that situation. And I literally never said a word about Jules, never brought it up. It was just something that me and Julianne were dealing with, but I did, 
I was getting to the point where I was like, I really need to try and figure out how to fix this or resolve this or get myself there. And I met with you at the Armadillo Den. And what I was struggling with, because I did not like the people that you were hanging out with at all. Uh, And I just didn't know if that had changed you fundamentally. And it had been two years. So I just sat Kendall down and I said, I just want to talk to you about it one time because I'm thinking about mending things. Like, do you think she's still a good person? And you said yes. Hmm. And I was like, okay, that's all I need to know. I've always stood by it and I've always known it. And, um, you know, I, I think that, um, our culture these days, while it's making vast improvements, I do think there's this big thing with like just cutting people out, ghosting people, doing this horrible shit that you like are not thinking about what is going on in that person's life that is making them behave this way. You're only thinking about how it affects you. And um, I really hope we can kind of move away from that because I think it's very, very harmful. Um, But yeah. Yeah. So thank you both. You're so welcome. We love you. Love you. (laughs) So I received that letter. I texted you. And I said, thank you so much for the beautiful gift. Thank you for your letter. I'm sorry I didn't get it until now. (laughs) I'm sure that was miserable for you. Um, And I would like to meet for dinner. I think I said it like a month out. Mm -hmm. And I knew that would be best for both of us to have time to like... Get ready, mentally prepare. Mentally prepare. I will say... Sorry for interrupting you, but, and I'm also probably making excuses for myself and my, um, procrastination. I don't think I knew that there was a letter in there. I thought that you just, I thought it was just the tray. I thought it was just the Christmas present. I didn't know that it was like the letter. <laughs> I can't remember. It's entirely possible. Because yeah. you were pretty tail tucked between your legs at that yeah. time. So it's entirely possible that you just handed it to her. And so it yeah, directing. that's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't ask you about it one time. I was like, I know she hasn't done it. <laughs> Anyways, sorry, go ahead. So we set the date for about a month out to go get sushi. I consulted with Darla on like, should it be at my house? Should it be? Where should it be? And she was like, no, because she hasn't seen your house yet. So you don't want the first time she's seeing your house to be this thing. And and then if it goes poorly, which I'm sure it won't, but like leaving is awkward. So we just decided to do it in public so it would be potentially less emotionally charged. Right. And then we had to push it back a week (laughs) or maybe more. Girlfriend. Y'all pushed so it back you, a bunch. If you if you got the letter in September, I don't I sincerely do not think that we sat down. We did not sit down. I know that we did not sit down until December. Yeah, the beginning of December. Yeah. Yeah. You had gotten sick. So there was a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So we finally decided to meet for sushi. And what I really I talked to Darla right before that. I think my oh, I think my appointment with Darla was Thursday and this was a Friday which is perfect, or Wednesday, and it was a Thursday. Mm -hmm. And 
I had really come to terms with the fact, like I wasn't mad anymore. Mm-hmm. The letter completely absolved me of, and two years of all my anger. And because I had told Darla, like, I just don't want to meet up with her until I don't want to punch her in the face. <laughs> and then uh, I also wanted to take responsibility for, like, that's a whole lifetime of, or not a whole lifetime, but from 11 years old on, in sort of being in competition, saying things on occasion to hurt each other's feelings. And I had done like more of my fair share than that, which would have made you feel some sort of resentment for me. And that would have been understandable. So Jules and I went and I got there early and then sat at the bar drinking a Topo Chico and she walked in and we were both just trembling like leaves. We all, you do that, Kendall? Oh, shake. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And God, our table wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. So we had to sit at the bar side by side. <laughs> and I was like, well, <laughs> we can't talk about anything serious while we're just sitting here side by side. So we just passed the time by, I don't know, catching up on Kendall's life, I think. <laughs> yeah. And then went to sit down at dinner and I said, where, where do you, you want to start? start? And you said, essentially, the floor is yours. Mm -hmm. I'm here for you. And I said, I'm not angry at you anymore. And I take responsibility for my contributions in the situation. And I don't want to hear anything specific Mm -hmm. about this specific anything that happened, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I would hope was a relief. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I did. (laughs) Yeah, I remember going into that not, I don't think that I thought that you were going to want specifics, but I didn't know how much you were just going to even want to chat about certain things. Um, And it was definitely mentally preparing myself for it and just going into it with, I was like, I have to be honest about any, I basically like was putting myself at your mercy and I had agreed with myself that I would be honest about anything that you asked me about. So I, that was, um, yeah, very nerve wracking. <laughs> and so, yes, I do think that it was a big relief when you said that that was not something and we weren't going to be going into specifics. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't go into anything in the past at all. Mm-mm. Kendall, you knew that we were meeting up for dinner. Were you just like sitting by, fingers crossed? Were you texting with Tina? This was like a buildup for our moms, for Kendall. Were you? Um, I think since you guys had rescheduled like 5 million times, I didn't actually know that it was happening because I had planned to like text you guys both and be like, hey, you know, good luck. I'm hoping for the best, you know, like all that kind of, you know, be present and kind of like rooting for you. Um, but I I think I just didn't even know. But I do remember waking up the next morning to, I think I got texts from both of you um, inviting me to dinner with both of you and that it everything had been squashed. And that was like, I was just, it was like Christmas morning. I was elated. I was so stoked. I was just like, was running around the house like, Lee, they're talking again. (laughs) Like letting everybody I knew who cared. (laughs) Like, it is done. (laughs) 
I was so excited. Yeah, they're jumping ahead a little bit, but I know that. <clears throat> so we planned a Christmas outing for the triplets. And I posted an Instagram story of all of us like vibing at Sunny's backyard to hilarious karaoke and got 40 DMs just like, do my eyes deceive me? <laughs> like, are you three together? So, yeah, I mean, being separated at birth, meeting, and then developing somewhat of a friendship and somewhat of a sisterhood and not knowing where the line is and not knowing how to define that relationship is just a crazy, crazy experience. Yeah. <laughs> and then the timing for the rest of the, that's what, what we've said it a few times that the universe reacts to us. So what you'll go into next, the timing is just absolutely fucking bizarre, yes. crazy. So the biggest, Julian and I agree that the, the worst thing about be, not talking for two years because we hold such similar interests was like not being able to text each other when uh, Love Island came out or a podcast episode or whatever. And two, one, one or two days after this, because that was, I had just gotten my spray tan before dinner. So then it would have been Jordan my best friend, Jordan. Hi, I love you. Uh, it would have been her rehearsal dinner the next night and then her wedding the next day. And the day of her wedding, so it's three days since me and Julian have made up. I start to get a, or no, I'm going through um, some papers to find some letters for me and Colin for New Year's. And I stumble across our sperm donor's paperwork again. And I'm not sure if we've talked about it in full detail, what it looks like, but it's just super straightforward, like age, height, weight, interests of all of the family members, any uh, health concerns. And then he had to fill out like a questionnaire. Super cute questionnaire. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so funny. And like I talked about in the last episode, I had done that ancestry DNA test and not really gotten any super interesting results, except for one, which we haven't mentioned, was that we found a half-sister on there. Um, so her name is Nikki. She lives far away. <laughs> Reached out to her and she was like totally chill. She knew that she was conceived via sperm donor. I don't think she knew that she had siblings, but you know, we're older at this point. So it's not like we were like, let's meet or like, let's get on the phone. It was just like, hi, this is about me. Okay, this is about me. Okay, follow each other on Instagram. Hilarious to follow her on Instagram because she is just like us. She is so cool <laughs> <laughs> and smart. And sometimes she'll have like a book that she's reading and it's my favorite book of all time. So that was really cool. <clears throat> Sorry to mention it as such an aside, but it just is kind of an aside. And so I'm reading through, and but I didn't find anything else. And then a year prior to this happening, a, a, a lady had reached out to me on Ancestry. And she had said, Hi, Ricky, I see that we share a very high percentage of DNA, 29%. But I have no idea how we might be related. My paternal grandparents are these people. My maternal grandparents are these people. Do we have a common ancestor? And I was like, oh no. <laughs> this is another child conceived via the sperm donor. 
and I'm about to ruin their life. But they're an adult seeking information, so I'm just going to be super straightforward. So I responded to her and said, well, this shared connection that we have, Nikki, is my half-sister, and we were conceived via the same sperm donor. And then we had another shared connection on there, and I said, how are you connected to this person? And she said that that was her sister's late husband. Very weird. <laughs> we're going to have to draw a tree out yeah, for yeah. you guys of this. She said it was her identical twin sister's late husband. So I left it at the sperm donor thing, left it at that. She never responded. So it's a year later. I'm looking through this paperwork just for shits and giggles, showing it to Colin. Colin's like, why is this the first time I'm seeing these? Why aren't you doing anything with these? And I was like, well, there's not really anything informative on there. And then I see that our sperm donor... His mom was an identical twin. And I was like, oh my fucking God. (laughs) So I hop back on the app and I say, hi, Jenny. I'm so sorry I'm reaching back out to you after a year, but I'm just going through our sperm donor's paperwork. And I see that his mom was an identical twin. Do you have a son that was born in this year and went to this college? and studied this subject. Because all of those things had been called out in the paperwork. paperwork. And she said, yes, you're great, Aunt Jenny. So I am shitting my pants, about to go to this wedding. Oh my God, yes. (laughs) I am... Messaging her back, being like, wait, wait, don't leave. Like, do you have any, can you tell me who he is? Like, do you have any defining information? Can you send over any photos? And she's just not messaging back. Not because she didn't want to, because she's like 87. (laughs) (laughs) Doing this on the computer. So I put this out of my mind, or I try to, my very, very hardest. And the next day, me and Colin sit down. We saw and received a message back. And we're like, we're going to figure this out. And for reference, Colin is, this is in his, I wouldn't say in his wheelhouse, would you? But he's a good researcher. He's very smart and was ready to help you get down and dirty with it. Yes. And he has access to like some information databases that we don't because okay. he pays for them. Right. Because this is his wheelhouse. He's okay. into this. <laughs> so we know that we're looking for a Jenny and Jessica Stonebridge based in Arizona. Okay. So <laughs> not the easiest needles to pull out of a haystack. And by the way, if anyone is wondering, names in this episode have been changed for anonymity purposes. Anonymity. <laughs> no, our ex- entire extended family came out of Charles Dickens' novel. <laughs> <laughs> so we're searching for Jenny and Jessica Stonebridge. We find an obituary for an Annalisa Stonebridge. And we can tell that she's like the great, great, Grandma, she's like the matriarch of this family. So we sift through every single line of this obituary to identify like the right line. 
and then we think we get it. And all of these dudes' names are like Ken, Cody, Chad, Chris. (laughs) So it's still proving to be impossible until we find two really distinct names, uh, a Violet Stonebridge and a Roman Stonebridge. So we're like, okay, this just got a lot easier. So we're looking for them. And we pull up Violet's Instagram. She's public. And we see this whole family. They are always together. They all have public Instagrams. We're like sifting through every single man. (laughs) Being like, it could be him. No, he's too young. It could be him. No, because whatever reason. And so that was kind of like a let us down a, a dead end. So then we turn our attention to Roman Stonebridge. And Roman is an artiste. <laughs> so he has a very public persona online, a page dedicated to his art online, interviews done with him because he's cool as fuck. <laughs> so on this, on his website, there is a phone number listed, and I am a salesperson. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to sleep on this, and the next morning, or in the morning, I think I'm going to give him a ring. Was I texting? I know I was texting you during this. Yes. Was I texting you during this? Definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah. No. I knew that you wouldn't <laughs> care. <laughs> So the next morning I wake up, I'm still feeling it. I dial Roman's number. He picks up on the second ring. And I'm like, oh no. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) This is not what I planned for. He answers. I say, hi, is this Roman? He's like, yeah. (laughs) And I said, okay, uh, I didn't expect you to answer. Do you have a couple minutes? And he said, I mean, it depends. What is this regarding? And I said, well, I'm sure that you have heard a lot of crazy stories about ancestry DNA, 23andMe, and people finding out crazy things. And I think I'm your niece. (laughs) And he was like, hold on, back up a second. Wait a minute. (laughs) And I said, oh, no, 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 I'm so sorry. I was conceived via sperm donor. And he was like, oh, okay. Because so, because I'm following your train of thought, but they might have been taken aback because they would have thought that their sibling had an illegitimate child. Yes. Not, okay, (laughs) that was just popping up out of nowhere. Okay, got it. Illegitimate child, hidden family. Right. Strong possibility for two seconds. Right. (laughs) And he said, okay, and still sounded very unsure. So I said, okay, is your mom Jessica Stonebridge? (laughs) And he said, yes. And I said, okay, is your aunt Jenny Stonebridge? And he said, yes. And I said, do you have... A brother, because we had deduced from the white pages that we were looking at and the obituary that we were looking at, this had to be 
a brother. And he, I said, do you have a brother that went to school at Pepperdine and studied math? And he said, yes. And I said, was he born in this year? And he said, yes. And I was like, okay, And is this so- just like, is this exactly the way that you are saying it? Just kind of like question, yes, question, yes. Yeah. 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 And I teared up and I said, well, I, th- I think that's, you know, my dad. <laughs> and he was elated. He was like, I don't have, you know, very many, our, our family hasn't been, had very many children or my siblings haven't. So tell me about yourself. And I proceeded to just tell him what I did in Austin and Towards the end of the conversation, he was like, okay, I need you to, I'm going to have to call you back because I need to call my brother and confirm this. Like, I know that you just said everything that you just said, but I, he didn't tell us that he did this. So I need to call and confirm. And by, sorry, I'm just going to continue to clarify. By did this, you mean uh, donated sperm. Correct. When he was in college. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm expecting... Uh, to never hear from this person again, actually. Right. <laughs> but if I do, within the next couple of days, I'm on a sales call five minutes later because I'm a psychopath. And he calls me back in five minutes. And I stopped the sales call. I was like, I'm, uh, I'm, I actually told the person what was going on. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to need you to hold on a second. <laughs> because I think that my uncle, my biological uncle, who I've never, before, never met before, is calling to confirm the identity of my biological father. <laughs> and the guy was like, you go. You, you have go. at it. And wasn't it, and I, I don't know, we can do whatever we want with this, but um, had they not spoken in a while? They had not spoken in a while. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Or um, just not spoken frequently. Right. It was just kind of a... Yeah. Okay. They're having like a bi-coastal yeah. distant relationship. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, called me back and I answered and he said, yep, Keith just confirmed. Keith Stonebridge is your biological father. He did donate sperm during that time. And he is pretty shocked. <laughs> And because, I just, I'm sorry, Rick, I don't mean to interrupt you. Be, no, please. Because there, um, and I don't know the ins and outs, maybe you know more specifics than I do. When, um, when women donate eggs, I think they are notified if that results in... I think you can elect to be notified. Okay, you can choose. Mm-hmm. Do we know if that is the case with... I feel like there's no way you would even be able to do it for, well, for sperm donation because, so did he, he had had no idea that any of his, no, any of his samples had taken. Yes. So I was just in shock and I said, well, you know, thank you so much. And he said, well, I have to tell you, like, I don't think, he said he he doesn't know if he can meet you. You know, he has... Mm -hmm two daughters and a family now. And he just doesn't know if that would be kosher. And I was like, oh my God, no, no, no. 
I just wanted to like confirm who he was. He's my father. He will be me. (laughs) (laughs) I am gainfully employed. Like I'm not coming for any other reason. My dad passed away when I was young. So I've always just kind of wanted to, to confirm who he was. If you could send over any photos of him around the time that he donated, that would be great. And Roman goes, oh no, he created an email address. And he wants you. She's like, he. we don't know if he can meet you, but he's going to create an email address to talk to you right away. Created an email address to talk to me right away. And then I was, you know, just profusely thanking him. And at the end of the phone call, I was like, oh, no. I, I do, Roman. I did leave out an important detail. It's not just me. I'm a triplet. <laughs> and also there are at least two others because we have the confirmed half, half-sister Nikki and then we can see that there was one other confirmed conception. Right. But that person has remained wildly anonymous. They popped up on, up on a board once and then disappeared. Oh, okay. So who knows? And Roman was like, yeah, maybe take it easy, easy on him. him. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder how, I wonder if those two things would feel different because obviously, okay, so five, five um, kids, I don't know what else to call them. I wonder how much different it would feel to learn that you just had five in separate families that were all growing up separately. And if that, I wonder if it would be different to find out that you had multiples, especially because it sounds like they ran in the family. Yes. I was wondering if he even expected that when he donated or how much different it would feel to find out that you had a set of triplets running around as opposed to five separate instances. Instances. (laughs) We're calling children instances now. (laughs) I think you'd feel really virile. (laughs) (laughs) Right? You don't know that anything took, and then you're finding out that you had multiples with one woman and at least uh, two others. I oh my feel god, like a badass. I need see. This is why we need you guys to submit your stories because this part, I didn't even think about the fact that, and I wonder how frequent it is where it's a slow leak versus nope zero to five in a day, one I day. Know. And there are people that think it's zero and it's like 40, 90. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe we will find out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Roman gives me this email address, tells me he's delighted to have another niece (laughs) and to come see him whenever we want. So he's just the coolest. And he listens to this podcast. Hello. Hey, Roman. Roman. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder... um, if, I don't know, I feel like our, I wonder if it's in our DNA to just respond to things well. <laughs> like, Dude, I think this is who we got it from. Yeah, because yeah, they're just like, oh, sure, cool. absolutely. <laughs> like Julia and I were like, sure, <laughs> we have a, another t- t- triplet out there. I'm telling there. you, the jump Scavo stone bridges know how to take one on the, the chin. Party yes. stuff, party stuff. Oh, and before me and Roma get off the phone, he's like, 
this is a family secret now, by the way. Like we have other, like we're not telling anybody. This has been in between you, me, and Keith. And I was like, okay, well, what do you want me to tell Jenny? Because <laughs> Jenny came looking for me on Ancestry DNA. And I just asked her about this person's existence, which she confirmed. So she knows. She probably has known the whole time and was waiting for me to put the pieces together. And Roman's like, you know what? You just deal with Jenny however you want to deal with Jenny. <laughs> and Jenny is their aunt. Aunt. Yes. Okay. So Jenny and the girl from the outlet mall are just like in a corner, just <laughs> brick <laughs> together, houses. just watching I love the shit. I, I really love that we brought brick house back. That is not the not a term for someone who can keep a secret well. And I'm sorry that it, we're gonna turn it into one. So brick house. <laughs> some brick house. <laughs> you heard it here first, people. <laughs> so I get on Ancestry DNA first and message Jenny and just try to wipe this thing under the rug. I'm like, you know what, Jenny? Never mind. I found what I needed to find. Thank you so much uh, for messaging me. Have a nice life. And Jenny texts back and like, please put yourself in my shoes as a, a girl in this moment who had no family, no family to speak of. Like, always wondered why I was the way that I was in the similarities that I didn't share with my mom. And up, up to this point, I've had a mom, a dead dad, an uncle, an estranged uncle. That's it. Two triplet sisters who I didn't meet until I was 11. And another mom, Tina, and another dead dad. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's what I've been working with up to this point. So just so wistfully, like watching TV shows and meeting people who have these massive, quote unquote, nuclear families. And Jenny writes back and says, hi, Ricky. I'm delighted to meet you. Welcome to the family. Please know that you belong to and share genes with a large and exceptional family, including 30 extraordinary cousins doctors, architects, engineers, scientists, teachers, writers, artists, and craftsmen, all warm and wonderful people. You can find several generations of your ancestors online at the Public Stone Bridge Family Tree. Please let me know if you would like to talk sometime. Aunt Jenny. What? <laughs> so... Where were you when you read that letter? Like, what was... I really wish, Colin has an all-in video. Oh, he does. Okay. I was sitting at um, uh, the bar stool in my house. Yeah. And I wish that I could show it to you guys. <laughs> oh, it would be the best, but there is a lot of personal information in yeah. there. Um, so then this is unfolding now over like a day. Mm -hmm. I can't possibly sit down and write Keith in the middle of the workday. So I have to wait until after. And... I wrote him and I said, <clears throat> can you imagine? Hello, Keith. I certainly never thought I'd be writing this email and I'm sure you never expected to receive it. As you know, after speaking with Roman this morning, my name is Ricky Jump and you are my biological father. 
I went on quite the ancestry DNA journey to get here, finally cracked the code this morning, and brazenly and without regard gave Roman a call as his number was posted to his site. I'm sorry if this has caused you any disruption, and I'd like you to know that you have my promise that I am not seeking anything from you, and I'm well aware that this needs to be kept very private. I will not reach out to anyone else and don't ever want you to be worried. I'm 31 years old. I live in Austin, Texas. I was born in Denver, Colorado on July 6th, 1991. And I did not enter the world alone. <laughs> I'm a triplet. My sisters are Julianne Marie Scavo and Kendall Christine Scavo. We were separated at birth as my mother didn't find out she was pregnant with triplets until she was seven months along. So they were adopted to the same family. We were finally able to meet when we were 11 and they now live in Austin as well. It's the first time we've ever lived in the same city together. Sadly, each of our fathers passed away, mine when I was 10 and theirs when they were 17. I didn't find out I was conceived via sperm donor until I was 13. So if anyone hasn't listened to the rest of the episodes of the podcast, you just don't have to anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Take it back. (laughs) I studied professional and technical writing at Missouri State University with minors in creative writing and communication and then made my way to Austin, Texas to attend graduate school at UT. Today, I'm the head of sales for Scribe Media, a publishing company. I live with my wonderful partner, Colin Parker, our two dogs, Frankie and Daisy, and our cat, who we've only ever really taken to calling Cat. Her name is Lucia now. We're all very intelligent and always have been quite bookish. My favorite book I read this year was No One Crosses the Wolf, and my favorite book on earth is They Can't Kill Us Until They Kill Us. Like you, I also don't like math. The thing I'm best at is cooking and being artistic has continued to prevail within the three of us. Julianne and I love to sing, and Kendall creates amazing art. I want you to know that we are all wildly happy and healthy. I'm very, very happy to be here and wake up genuinely excited to live every day. Thank you for making that possible for me. I know that you have two children of your own, so I will follow your lead, read the extent of that you'd like to be connected. If at all possible, my one ask is for some photos of you when you were in college. I would really love that. Here's my Instagram and here's my LinkedIn. Thank you for giving me access to this email. I so appreciate it. I hope that you are happy, healthy, and well-loved. <laughs> I don't think we've heard that before. We have not. And I don't want to like take a veer off a course or take away from what you're talking about. Well, I'm not going to it's pertinent, but I can't imagine... Yeah, just the timing is crazy because I can't imagine you have had having had to write that if we had still been estranged. Right. And I can't imagine, which is exactly what I was going to get to right now, not having been able to call you. Yeah. And say, I did it. I talked to our uncle on the phone this morning. This is our dad. <laughs> And I feel bad because I remember this happening and I was still at the point where I still kind of tail tucked between my legs, still freaking out when I saw your name come up on my phone. You know, I still wasn't like fully present or there. So I was super excited, but I wasn't, um, I'm happy that, that I was there in that capacity, but I wasn't quite at a hundred percent yet. Um, but really, really happy that we had Yeah, and I don't think that you would have anticipated the level of like, in my mind, after we walked away from that dinner, we were like, good, yeah, period. And so I was like, really excitedly texting you, but you didn't know that you would receive that level of like intel or warmness from me. Yeah. 
And then Kendall, I called you. <laughs> and you said, cool. That's what I was going to. I was going to guess, and that was going to be my guess. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) And I think something to highlight here is just, obviously, I'm the one most interested because my dad died when I was 10. Julianne is interested because she said she had a really rough relationship with Ken in his uh, final years. Do you, just came to me, do you, this answer could go either way. Embrace this as sort of a second chance. That's what I was going to say. I wouldn't. Kenny will be my dad forever. And I do think it is worth noting that I think our dad and Kendall, you can chip pitch. I can't think today. (laughs) Um, I think that he would be excited about this. Um, Our mom is. Our mom is more excited than I thought she was going to be. So I wouldn't necessarily say if I take it as like a second chance, but it definitely is a chance to do better. It's not equivalent, mm-hmm. but it is a chance. Yeah. Anything to add, Kenny? <laughs> I mean, um, I think just kind of a theme throughout the whole everything, really. Um, has just been I'm a pretty even keel person I'm uh not overly enthusiastic in general as you can tell from literally my voice (laughs) on this podcast um and I think that I'm very excited for you I don't think that uh sometimes I feel bad that I am not able to be there in a way that people are wanting me to be because I'm not an, an overly enthusiastic person and I don't have that like, like <laughs> reaction that people want out of me and I wish I could give it to you, but I'm not, I would feel disingenuine or not authentic. But um, I think it's, I've always been very happy with my family and um, everything like that. And I'm, very excited to it's more of a slow burn I think Mm -hmm. for me Mm -hmm. and Kendall I will have to say that I don't think that Ricky and I would we appreciate the way you react we would know that it was not authentic if you were bouncing out of your chair we would sniff something out right away I think we have yeah you and I wasn't calling you expecting a, a reaction I was calling you so that to relay, I called you. <laughs> to relay information. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to relay information. So, although I did love uh, seeing, I do love the photos and seeing like, oh, there's my nose or, you know, there's certain things that I'm like, okay, so I'm not ultimately <laughs> the odd man out that I <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes feel like. So that was crazy. So at the same time that he responded or that I wrote to him Roman was also had found pictures to send me and these pictures come through and we're like oh my god like Julianne and I couldn't look anymore like my mom Kathleen when she was younger like people see that I posted on a TikTok and people are like you're twins 
And then these photos come through and he's got your nose. Um, but our, I mean, brows, eye color, jaw, chin. So yeah, I never, I never thought I'd see myself melded with, with my mom melded with someone else and everyone else gets to see that. Not everyone else, but people who their biological parents are both their biological parents. So he responds almost immediately like an absolute champion and says, well, hello there, Ricky Jump. It's nice to meet you. I had no idea if anything happened from those donations so many years ago. And a while back, I figured that if I hadn't heard anything by now, I probably never would. So, wow, this is certainly a surprise. I admire the detective work you must have put in to find me because I don't make myself easy to be found. I'm not on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or anything like that. So nice job (laughs) doing whatever you had to get to this point. I know you would like to know about me, so here goes. Says a bunch of identifying information. (laughs) (laughs) Tells me all about the family and Mm -hmm. says, what I'm saying is that you've got some pretty good genes from my side. And if you take care of yourself, you should be able to live a long, healthy life. We don't have any history of mental illness. Shocker, actually. Or heart disease or anything like that, which could cut your life short. So that was also a realization that we had later because we see this huge family. Everyone's still alive. I mean, 98-year-olds are fucking kicking it at wineries in these photos. And it's because he donated sperm. So he's like the best of the batch. Mm -hmm. He's like a prized stallion racehorse. (laughs) And I don't want to interrupt your letter, but... Ricky, I know that you, well, all three of us, who am I kidding? Uh, Because we have lost people and just seen all that pain. I know that losing people close to us and I think dying ourselves has always been a really uh, prevalent fear for at least for, I think for all of us. I know Kendall doesn't care if she dies. I don't care if I die. (laughs) <laughs> not in like a suicidal way, but I just am not afraid of it. She's not afraid of death, but you are afraid of losing cl- people close to you. So Rick, how did, knowing that you have dealt with that for a long time, how did it feel to read that part of it? Just so, such a relief. I mean, because we're we're all at the same time, like so healthy and then just weird things are wrong with us. Like I go to the doctor and get my blood tested and they're like suspiciously healthy for all you've done to your body. We don't know. Healthy as a horse. Nothing wrong with you. And then we have like, you know, rolled ankles and then shoulder pain and whatever. But uh, I was so relieved to hear that and also so relieved to hear that they all had good relationships with each other. Like it just seemed like a sense of good mm-hmm. fortune. Yeah. Do you Did you feel any type of way? I think, it, and that's... It's something that we have never, we haven't touched on yet. One of the things about growing up the way that we have is that the question, do you have siblings, was always really difficult for us to answer because you have to decide in that split second, okay, how much do I want this person to know? What am I going to be willing to share? How much time do I have with this person? Whatever it is, because like for the second that you say you're a triplet, it's 
Oh my God, your parents are such things. <laughs> That's like, yeah, what everybody says. And then it's, okay, do I just let this one slide or do I tell them what everything that's going on? And then you get into this um, aspect of your medical history, which when you're younger, it doesn't that doesn't occur to you as something that's a big deal. But as you get older and you have to answer that part of the that form and say, no, I don't, I don't know. That's, I think, when your wheels start to turn a little bit and you think, oh shit, fuck, I don't know. Like what could possibly be going on here? So for me, yes, I think it was really good to hear that they're healthy because I do care about dying. (laughs) 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 I want to live a really long, healthy life. And I I have certainly done done a number on all my organs uh, (laughs) up to this point. So yes, it was definitely a relief to hear and just kind of cool to imagine this big, big, happy family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he goes on to say more identifying information. It is so funny and I wish I could read it. <laughs> but then he says, I'm going to send you some links to some videos that my brother and I made <clears throat> in the early 2000s so that you can see what I look like. I think you'll see a little bit of a resemblance. I think you have my nose and my chin and my eyes. I'll also send you videos of your half-sisters, so you can see what they look like as well. And I'll send you one so you can see what I look like now. It was really great to hear from you. I'm very glad to hear that you are happy and doing well. Don't hesitate to write back. If you'd like, feel free to ask me any questions you want. I know I have some for you. And if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to FaceTime soon with you when I get a chance. Take care of yourself. So I am shocked. First of all, how many siblings does that put us at? Four, no, two, three, four, four, four. Well, you also have your, well, I guess you know. you're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, okay, so for me, two passed away half-siblings that aren't actually half-siblings. Um, Julian and Kendall. Nikki. Oh, yeah. Unidentified. Yeah. And his two daughters. Mm-hmm. That's eight. So six or eight. Depending on how you want to how you want to take it, yeah. So I'm just bouncing off the walls, elated. I go off the rails at this time. I can't do my job. <laughs> um, Sorry, scribe. <laughs> I did fine. <laughs> I can't talk to people like I'm so. They're talking to me, and I'm usually so present, and I'm looking at them, and just like wheels right. turning in the back of my head. But what was super notable is that he sent over these videos that he makes, mm-hmm. and. If any of you have done me the honor of following me on Instagram, you'll know that for every event we have in our adult lives, I make like a video montage. I put music behind it. It's technically now like a three-minute TikTok or a reel. But before that, (laughs) they're like really nice sentimental pieces that I make for us. So I wrote back and I said, hi, Keith. Thank you so much for your quick response. I shed a tear, not going to lie. I'm planning on emailing you more completely at the end of the day when I'm done with work, but I am in legitimate disbelief that you and I have chosen to document our lives in the same way with short video. I'm sure you don't have the time or desire to go through my entire Instagram. Wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm putting those here so that you can see that I definitely took after you in that way. Wild. They're very fun. I loved all the videos. Your girls are hilarious and you and I seem to have the same general demeanor because we can see in those videos that he's like, 
weird and silly and animated and doing vocal impressions all the time and the best that anyone has ever heard the best that anyone has ever heard better than anyone you know (laughs) so I sent him all these videos and this is where I want to leave the email communication so this I'm coming at this like always being sad that my dad Lee wasn't around because I didn't know if he'd be, think I was hilarious or would he be proud of me? Of course he would, but you want to hear these things from your dad or your dad, Ken, <laughs> or just any man, <laughs> no, just either one. And the, you mentioned last week, Kendall, like walking down the aisle. Mm-hmm. Who is that going to be? We've had many gracious adult men volunteer to do it for us out of the love for us in their hearts, but just always yearning for my dad to tell me that he's proud of me. And he sends me this email and it says, hi, Ricky. So after years and years of vowing never to do it, I broke down and got an Instagram account just to view your videos. I'm so glad I did. Boy, do you have fun. I mean, you have a lot of fun, don't you? It looks like you really take advantage of what life has to offer. I hope you keep doing that and you keep making videos and you keep being yourself. I know that I only know from the couple of letters that you've written to me and from your Instagram account, but from what I can see, I think you've pretty much turned out how I would have wanted you to if I had raised you myself. You really seem to enjoy life to the fullest and I'm sure you make others happy just by being around you. Even though I had absolutely nothing to do with your upbringing except to give you half your DNA. Just knowing you're out there shining your light in this world. Well, you've made me proud, kid. I hope that doesn't sound too cheesy or out of place. But it's true. And if you could see me while I'm writing this, you'd see that I'm getting kind of choked up. I always tell my girls that the key to living a good, happy life is to work hard, have fun, and be nice to people. I have a feeling you're doing all three of those things. And if you are, I hope they grow up to be like you. Oh, and Colin seems like a really nice guy. I hope he's good to you. I'm sure he's crazy about you. So thanks for letting me follow you. It really made my day. And thanks for making the effort to find me. I honestly always thought that it was something I never would have wanted to happen. But now I know I was wrong to think that way. So when we first started posting about this on TikTok, a lot of people came after me for searching for an anonymous donor. And a lot of people wanted to know if we had met and what his reaction was. Yeah. So to clear the air, I didn't reach out directly to him. I reached out to a sibling and he opened the line of communication. And if any of you are thinking of doing that in a respectable or respectful way. I just want to give everyone hope that you could be very warmly received and it could be the best that you have, the best gift that you ever give to them. We've gotten that feedback from a lot of, I don't want to say our followers, that sounds weird still. A lot of people, we've gotten feedback from a lot of people that it can go well. And I, um, Obviously, it can go the other way as well. So I'm so happy that this is how this has turned out. Has he ever said, 
because there were some really good points made by people on TikTok, listeners, that when you do that, when you donate your DNA, you're sort of opening yourself up to being looked for. And I'm wondering if when DNA testing started to pick up, well, okay, first off, I think the no social media is hilarious because I don't make videos, but I have no, I don't have social media. Getting on TikTok for this podcast is like pulling teeth for me. I'm not a big social media person. So we have that in common. Did he say that if, did he stay off of social media because he had donated sperm? He's never said, (laughs) but I can only imagine. I mean, Roman in texting us about him Mm -hmm. said that he has always been the mysterious one of the family. We let him do his thing. Okay. But he also has a flair for the dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we'll have to find out. Yeah. We'll have to find out. And then my second question was, and I don't know, he may not have answered this one yet either. When at-home DNA testing started to become prevalent and be a thing that was accessible for anyone, did he shit his pants? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Questions, Questions for Keith. Okay, they're unanswered right now. Okay. So he sends that lovely letter over. Me and my sisters have our our Christmas out at the Driscoll where this podcast is born. (laughs) I read them to you guys. What what were your thoughts in hearing this? I was, I'm trying to put myself like right back in that moment. Definitely super excited. I think like Kendall, I was more excited for you than anything. And I think we also have to really take into account our mom. Cause, and I think we're just trying to honor her and honor our dad's memory. I think it was very, uh, we were, you know, I was overjoyed to hear this response and so happy for you because I knew that it was something that you had been searching for and something that you had been missing. But I don't think I really like absorbed it as my biological father also for a while. It was just more of a experiencing it through you kind of thing, but very excited that it had been received that way because Lord knows it could have gone left. (laughs) And Kendall, did you have any reactions to like the actual emails, like his writing, who he's showing himself to be? Um, I don't know if it's because you and your voice were reading them Um, but he did just his correspondence just sounded like you or us, um, which was very cool. Um, and I think I also, you know, I was, you didn't see me, but I was (laughs) shed my own little tears over here. Uh, just, you know, with the email of him being so proud of you and everything like that. Cause that's something I think we all want so I was very happy for you and us and just, I find it so cool that 
you we have been like so warmly received like it could have gone and well within their rights to just be like fuck off <laughs> like we we're supposed to be anonymous um and i think it's just very cool you know everybody's very um supportive of the podcast and he could have also been like please don't do that and yeah, that was a concern. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I just am very, very appreciative of uh, how everything has transpired so far. And it's just, it's very special and it's a very special story. And I think um, if there is any kind of backlash or anything, this is not the time to engage. Engage, yeah. And I that's been one of my main things with this podcast throughout the whole time is just reiterating that it can be a very positive experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that this is all reflected in that. Yeah. I also just feel like, and not to be self-absorbed or self-centered or any, you know, bring it all back to us. But when we think back to the beginning of this episode and I feel like ever since you and I sat down for dinner after those years. Everything has just kind of gone right or well, or it's just been a really interesting to see how everything has unfolded since we were finally able to, to mend that rift. Yeah. So how do you feel, Rick? <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling overjoyed the entire time. Also, an interesting element of this is after we're sending emails back and forth, it's untenable because we're both verbose. So we finally exchanged phone numbers. And one day I get a voicemail from him. So it's the first time I'm hearing like my biological father's voice, which was crazy. So then we start texting. And then he's like, such a good dude. He's like, if I'm not texting back in a certain window of time, checking in on me to make sure I'm okay. And that was a big push pull for me because in, on, in the one hand, I'm like, oh my God, I have like a fatherly figure checking in on me to see if I'm okay. And on the other hand, I'm like, I've never had family text me like this. Like I, I, when, when does one find the time? <laughs> I know that... Families are in like group chats with each other all the time, but that's more casual communication. This is formal communication. Like we are getting to know each other. So just very overwhelmed and had so many friends, you know, say, I was so worried when you started on this because I thought you might find out that he'd passed away or that he's a bad guy and he's just the best guy. So feeling great. And then we get on FaceTime. And he's just choked up the whole time. Like, he's so happy. And that was when, because in these emails, he's sort of skirting this. He's not acknowledging that we're triplets. <laughs> it's like a, saying, your sisters. So we get on his FaceTime, and he knew that I was coming over for dinner with you guys later that night. And he was like, oh, yeah, you're going to your sister's house. And I was like, Keith. <laughs> Level with me here, buddy. You know that they're yours too. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I figured that was 
probably the case. <laughs> so then that's when I, this I think is the most interesting. So that's when I was like, okay, well, do you want me to introduce you to them? And he was just like, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> At this point, why not? Whatever. And uh, I had to really go back and forth with myself, 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 <laughs> myself <laughs> about Demon. when I was going to do it because I felt pretty protective mm-hmm. of it. I can imagine. Pretty possessive of it. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, I want to be the favorite. Only I want to be the only one. <laughs> and I knew that that was just something that, so it just took me a while yeah. of back and forth with him. And then I finally threw him in a group text with Julianne Kendall, which I started off with, well, there's no casual way to do this. <laughs> Keith, these are your other two biological daughters. Julietta Kendall, you guys have at it. And I thought that that would take place in separate text messages, but it actually was just a group text message. <laughs> and As families do. As families do. <laughs> so we've just had so much fun with him. We uh, have done rapid fire with him, like 23 questions kind of, and then we all have our own. 23 questions, huh? 21 questions. <laughs> Sorry, Fiddy. <laughs> 20, 20, oh, 23 of me is why I said that. Yes. Um, <laughs> and before we kind of get to the end, mm-hmm. I've been sitting on something for a while. Since March 22nd, to be exact. She's so good at this. I would never be able to keep these secrets. <laughs> Keith sent over when he started seeing me on social media, ask questions. Like if people had any questions or ask people to tell us their stories. He sent over a list of questions for the pod and said, you know, you don't have to tell the podcast that it's it's me. You can act like it's the random audience members. And I said, I want to save it until we've introduced you. So I have not read them. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Look at you. You have such a discipline. I am impressed. <laughs> so we're going to go through these. If your mother had not told you that your dad was not your biological father, do you think you would have ever suspected it or found out? No. Mm -mm. No, I held him in such reverence Mm -hmm. that I would have been... And he was too old for me to tell if I looked like him, really. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I don't think so. Yeah. Did your mother tell you that your biological father was a sperm donor thinking that one day you would go looking for him? Yes. She was very pro me looking for him. She jabbed me a couple times to do it before I took a DNA test. Uh, She was elated when I found him. Obviously wanted to see photos immediately. Can you imagine just being like, can you show me a a picture of the person that I made three babies with. Yeah, that is wild. So she was super excited to see him. And he, in turn, was super excited to see her. And now he's even more excited because he heard her episode and Tina's episode. Um, So obviously he couldn't be happier with how those turned out. But yes, she did think I would go looking for him and wanted me to. What was her reaction when you found him? I just told you. What was Julianne and Kendall's mom's reaction? This is dicey. Because my mom exposed that information to her before we did. Because oh. she obviously... I don't think I knew that. You didn't know that? 
Oh, she obviously <laughs> thought, <laughs> this podcast is so fun. <laughs> she obviously thought that I would tell Tina or we would tell Tina just as soon as it happened. And we sort of wanted to be more careful with that communication. Mm-hmm. And that entire generation is just not necessarily as like mindful. Oh, I do remember when yeah. this happened. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Tina was just ultimately hurt that we hadn't told her immediately. Yes. But she was not hurt about us finding him. She, at the very jump, got a little a little prickly just about... I think my father's memory, mm-hmm. her memory. And I think, I think now I'm now I'm remembering, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like Kathleen might have told her about finding our sperm donor and creating the podcast in one nicely wrapped little package. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I mean, why wouldn't she? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that was more, she was, yeah, definitely just kind of taken aback. Wish I wish she would have heard it from us first. And she was, she didn't want, she was upset that we hadn't told her about the podcast too before um, hearing it from Kathleen. And she didn't, I think she got and kind of went off the rails about what we were going to be speaking about on the podcast. Would it be, you know, what would we be covering? Would it be so incendiary? Yeah. So it was all kind of wrapped. They, the two things were not able to be separated, which I think uh, caused a little more friction than mm-hmm. it should have. Now she is so happy and she would, I mean, be more than she, I'm sure she, has she seen him? Have you guys her, showed her photos? I don't think I, I showed her photos of the cousin that I look a lot like, but I don't know. I I I showed her. I sh- I showed her all the pictures that you sent. Okay. Me. Yeah. Yeah. So she has very much so opened up to the. Yeah, idea. and she she says, "Keith, thank you for your donation." Yes, <laughs> she <laughs> does say that. She told us to tell you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think she was also upset that she felt like she was the last person to know. Yeah. And I told her that, because honestly, I don't know about Julianne, but I didn't even think, because it wasn't a big deal to me. Uh, And I hope that Keith doesn't take offense to that in any way, but it wasn't a big deal to me. So I didn't even think about telling her. And I told her that should be a testament to her and daddy and how... How, yeah, how it was just like, oh, this is just, you know, daily occurrence. (laughs) But yeah, she was upset that she was the last one to know. But now she has, like, she's so stoked. Yeah, and I want to clarify, that's not Kathleen's bad. That's our bad. No, that's our bad. 100%. (laughs) Yeah. We're bad at, we're sometimes real bad at communication. It all was a real whirlwind. (laughs) Yeah, I think I would, for me, it was like twisting the knife because she, I, that's pretty far (laughs) for the course for me is to keep things to myself and all of that. So I think her feelings were just a little hurt about that, but we've come full circle. Come first. Full, 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 would you say that the whole process and aftermath of finding your biological father has brought the triplets closer together or has there been tension? Well, I don't know, Keith, we're sitting in a six by six room. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> A 12 by 12 room better. Twice per week. Probably six by 12. Six by 12 room twice per week. Um, So yeah, huge, huge 
thank you and props where props are due. This has brought us closer together than ever, having conversations that we've never had with each other, with our families. Friends, the friends, world. the world. <laughs> uh, and I don't think there's really been any tension. I mean, maybe tension about minute de- details. Filler words. Yeah. Tension oh, about filler words. Food in the Good podcast Lord. studio. Oh, I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am also annoyed by me. <laughs> you did great, Kenny. Do any of the triplets have any kind of telepathic connection with each other? Yes. We'll say things together. We've done it a couple of times this episode. Um, more of just like a gut feeling of yeah. how the other is feeling, I would say. I think that's right. Kennel? Yeah, I mean, um, there's no like, you know, my arm hurt. And so I called you and asked if you broke yours or anything like that. At least not for me uh, with you guys. But I do think we have, kind, we're attuned. We're more attuned. Like there's just stuff that we have found out about each other upon getting to know each other better that is not normal. Like we, you know, separate out our lucky charms. <laughs> kind I think of crap. I think as far as the word telepathic, there will be times where I will just be like on this weird train of thought about when I'm driving or whatever it is about something that doesn't really make sense in my day to be thinking about and then come find out to find out that it was probably something that you guys were thinking about at that time. Or I'll send you a text message about it out of the way. And you and I have had some bodily tingies. Yeah. When the other has been hurt, injured. Maybe it's just because I am an anxious person and have tingies constantly. (laughs) And I'm always like, I haven't heard from so-and-so in a day. We got to call hospitals. We got to call prisons. We got to figure out what's happening. (laughs) The next question, I'm going to pose it to all of us. Do you think your dad would have liked your bio dad? Yes. I don't know how they would have come across each other, but I definitely think Kenny would have gotten a kick out of him for sure. I think they had some similar interests. I think our dad was more of a, just, I wouldn't want to say exuberant because he is very exuberant, but um, I think more like popular, cool kid, you know, preppy, Mm -hmm. things like that. But I do think that dad would have gotten a kick out of him. I mean... Dad got along with literally everybody. Um, so, yeah. as And as soon as he started doing vocal impressions, they'd be goners. Like, we wouldn't see <laughs> what them for the rest other. of the day. Yeah. <laughs> My dad, it's harder to say because <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Like, I don't yeah. know what my dad looked for in friends. My dad's friends were nothing like <laughs> Keith. Who's quite quite salt of the earth, if mm-hmm. you will, quite wholesome. But I do know that I was with uh, my uncle at dinner once, and he said, "You know, does your mom ever tell you anything nice about your dad?" And I said, "No. Why would she?" <laughs> and he said, "Well, I want you to know that he was the nicest guy I knew, and he would literally give anyone the shirt off of his back." So, and that's him saying that, knowing torment that my dad put my mom through often right um so I would I would go with yes um I believe that he would have 
liked Keith and I believe that he would be excited for me in this moment. And that has taken a while to get to. If you had been raised by each other's parents, do you think the three of you would have turned out significantly different than you are today? No. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) I believe that nature has fully prevailed with this one. (laughs) If you had gone through all that trouble to find your bio dad and he didn't want to have anything to do with you, would you have been devastated? Would you have tried him again in a couple of years to see if he changed his mind? I mean, in the moment in which Roman said, you know, he doesn't think he can ever meet up with you. And I said, oh my God, no, that's totally fine. I, can I have some pictures? <laughs> I was just wanting to confirm who he was. I think that I would have been satiated by that. Maybe not devastated, but not not just okay. I would have been sad, but I would have really respected that as I felt really, really, really lucky to have even found him in the first place. Like mm-hmm. it took a lot of work. Um, so to just have confirmation would have been fine for me, uh, but I much prefer it the other way. Yeah. If I had called you guys and told you that I found out who he was and he didn't want to talk to us, that would have hurt my feelings. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that would make me sad. And I, there's no really, I can't, there's no really tell, I mean, obviously you can understand why, but I would have no right to feel that way, I don't think. But yeah, my feelings would have been hurt. I'm happy it turned out the other way. Kendall, no need to answer. Yeah. <laughs> we all know my answer. Um, I do want to ask you, Ricky, uh, what if you had found out that he had passed away. I would have been like, that makes sense. That checks out. (laughs) That checks out. Um, I think that would have made me even more sad than if he just hadn't, didn't want to have a relationship. And Keith, you're need to be firmly planted on this earth for the foreseeable future. You will not be meeting our fathers anytime (laughs) soon. Just so you know, the universe responds to us. Yeah. Putting that out there. I think uh, I have a friend, Megan. Hi, Megan. Who jokes that I have like a black cloud following me around um, because of just my dad. And then the stuff that we talked about with Zach and Darla's episode and just, I mean... Things do be fun in a way to happen. And uh, I, I think that, I think I would have felt like something was wrong with me. Yeah. I think I would have felt like something was wrong with me. Yeah. We have two questions left. One is directed pointedly at me and Jules, and one is directed pointedly at you. Sounds like Keith. <laughs> Did having someone who looks just like you ever tempt you to lead a life of crime because you would always be able to establish a perfect alibi? 100% Yes. Mine is, oh, I was thinking this through the lens that I would have to turn you in. Like I'd have to rat on you. But no, we would just always be able to be like, no, I was with so and such. Yeah. I mean, every time I watch a heist movie, I'm tempted to lead a life of crime. And now that I'm thinking about it, now that I know that it would have been possible because I did have a perfect alibi, yes. (laughs) 
But now you've made it so none of us can ever lead a life of crime because you put our freaking DNA in a system and yep. it will forever yep. be there. I did. I did. Probably more than one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, definitely more than one. <laughs> and last but not least, if you had chosen that pass, would Kendall have ratted you out? Nope. Oh, no. No way. <laughs> Absolutely not. No way, Jose. I, <laughs> She'd be uh, driving the getaway car. I would. I would for sure. Although she would be pissed from yelling, <laughs> but she would be driving. Yeah, I would be mad. She would be so annoyed. Begrudgingly. So with that, before we get into what we're doing for the finale. The finale! Holy shit. Any, any parting words from either of you? Kendall, I think yours is going to be more relevant to this last part. So I'm going to go first. Because I kind of blacked out in the beginning of this. Um, this is, it's just really hard for me to talk about what happened between the time that my dad passed away and the time that Ricky and I reconciled. Because it is still very shameful for me. Um, and I just, yeah, it's still something that I've, I, I have um, examined and worked on, but it's hard for me to vocalize. So I just wanted to say before we go that I am so grateful that we are where we are. And I am so sorry for what led to that rift. And I do not think it could be more fitting that we're here now. This is the path that it's taken us on. And I'm just really grateful to both of you for hanging in there during it. And I'm really excited about Keith too. <laughs> well, you are more than forgiven, obviously. Water under the bridge, or if I could think of a better superlative, it would be that. So no worries, sis. What about you, Kenny? Um, I think we all have a hard time. We give ourselves a harder time than anybody else gives us. So I would just remember that mm -hmm. and know that. I know that us saying we forgive you and especially Ricky is going to make you, you know, feel less shame because I know that you just got to kind of work through that. Um, but I hope that that does happen for you. And also I wanted to say one more thing about Keith um, that I just thought was really funny when we did the rapid fire questions and instead of just kind of like taking that in as one normally would I don't know if he did the same for you guys but he wrote back to me saying giving me notes on okay you guys said these things exactly the same and like he like literally did like a Venn diagram not literally did a Venn diagram comparison of all of our answers that we had given. And I just thought that was kind of quirky and funny and um, was a good indicator of who he is and mm -hmm. his um, personality and everything. So I think you can just tell he's really enjoying this. <laughs> he's having like the best time. Yeah, that's such a relief. I, when we did that, I told him that I wanted to, after I answered, guess what each of you had answered, but I never followed through on that. So I do want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> and now, without further ado, we have some news to share with you. Not only are you going to see the results of our identical twin slash triplet 
test next week. But we, this weekend, me and Julianne are flying out to meet Keith for the first time together. And we'll be spending all of Friday getting to know our biological father. I'm shaking my pants. (laughs) (laughs) Kenny is going to hold down the fort here at home. And after that, we have nothing left to do but record our final episode. And we've had Tina on, and we've had Kathleen on, and we've had Darla on, and you've heard so much (laughs) from us. We, for the finale for episode 10, are turning the mic over to a one Mr. Keith Stonebridge. And you guys get our biological father in the hot seat to answer any and all questions that you have. So I'd strap in. It's probably going to be a a wild ride and we could not be more excited to announce this. I have goosebumps. Yeah, I think that's going to be fun and nothing could be more fitting for a finale. So Ricky, pack your bags. Kendall, get ready for an onslaught of texts and pictures and calls while we're down there. But in the meantime, we are signing off. We hope you feel leave feeling a little bit more normal in your own family dynamic, excited for the possibilities, and more curious about the world around you. And just remember, the key to living a good, happy life is to work hard, have fun, and be nice to people. Have a good week, take things in stride, and leave people better than you found them. We will see you next time for the finale. Episode 10, titled, Who is Your Father? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to Scribe Media, as always, for production. We're almost there. We're almost at the finish line for season one. And thank you, of course, to Herzo for original music. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Don't forget to submit your stories. (laughs) 